In my private life, my biggest lack probably is body awareness and its ally, emotional regulation. This may sound odd coming from a psychologist, but believe me when I say we therapists don't always practice what we preach. This weakness of mine is what instigated my eagerness and curiosity for the work of body therapist Anne Pascal Stein. In this interview that you'll hear in a minute, I ask her about the Grinberg method and the psychotherapeutic method AEDP, which stands for Accelerated Experiential Dynamic Psychotherapy. We talk about how this type of work can help, especially those who feel too much or feel too little, and even how we can learn to set boundaries by improving our bodily awareness and ability to emotionally regulate. Have a listen to this, for me at least, enormously useful episode. So can we start from the beginning and talk a bit about your journey to becoming a body psychotherapist and working in the way that you work today? So it is my second career, right? Like I was, I studied art history and French literature. And I also worked in this field for some years or quite some years. And then actually I got to know body work as a client. And it helped me tremendously. I think I, for me, it was really to have somebody very skillful working with touch allowed me to heal and to nourish in a very, like, I think in a way that I was really longing for. And then as this experience deepened, at one point I decided like, because I had to take some decisions in the art world, like where to go deeper there. And then I noticed after a while, okay, I'm just closing doors here. Actually, maybe I had everything I wanted from working in arts. And then I started a professional training in this bodywork method and and opened my own clinic as soon as I could. And since then, this path is developing. Amazing. And I mean, body work can mean many things, right? What was your entry point? What type of body work did you start practicing? The method I learned is called the Greenberg Method. Uh, it has been developed in the mid of the 80s yeah. and it had a big school in the beginning of in the beginning of 2000 um, uh, until 2015, I think, in Berlin. And it was quite successful and it's a methodology that really works with touch and also invasive touch, I would say today. Um, and it's beautiful method to really get to know your body, to really know like, Ah, I have a rib cage. It's moving. Ah, this is how it feels when I have legs. This is the experience of my back when it's flexible. And, and then it also has what, what you could say a psychological aspect to it. Like it looks actually at the physical experience of patterns of behavioral or thinking patterns and how they show in the body. And then how you can create actually through creating a change in your physical experience, a change in thinking, a change in behaving, like gaining more capacities, actually. Actually, it's when you think of like when somebody has a 
only a certain range of movements. Yeah, I'm I'm only moving quite small and maybe with not so much energy. Then if this person learns to move yeah. big, yeah, and really get to befriend the experience of how it feels like to move big, because maybe then it brings up things like anxiety or other strong emotions. But when the, once the person integrated like, oh, I can move big, then it might change something in a situation where like, I don't know, they want to say no to a boss or they want to say no to a partner. Right. And, and I think this is what is beautiful in this method. That's so interesting. But did you say in the beginning that it works with even invasive touch or what did you call it? I, I call it like this because like it's, it can be deep muscle work. Okay. So, so you learn like massage techniques. It can look from the outside like a massage, but actually the aim is to, uh, to really change a pattern in its whole. It's not like to manipulate a muscle, but through touching a muscle to touch the experience. Oh, wow. And I mean, I don't know if this is almost getting too concrete, but if you could maybe run me through a typical session, how much would be doing that type of muscle work? How much would be talking? I know that like with everything else, there's not a one size fits all, but maybe just like a common structure. Yes, sure. And um, maybe one thing I should say first is that today I work also very differently. So today a session with me can be with a lot of touch or without any touch, okay. right? Like I can work the, the spectrum and I usually use it also depending on what my clients need. But if you ask only from this bodywork method, talking would always be included in the experience, but it would also mainly be an experience of touch. So I would clarify, of course, in the beginning, like what we are working on with the client. Let's say they come with, um, with an anxiety, um, yeah, when they want to um, stand up for themselves, right? Yeah. And then we would describe together, like, what is this experience of anxiety for you? Like, how does it show up? So maybe they would say, like, pressure on the chest. I uh, clench my upper belly. Um, I feel that I get sweaty hands and my thoughts are running. I cannot think clear. And then I would also ask questions about, like, do you see your legs? How do you feel them? And then maybe they would say like, ah, actually, no, like I have no experience further than the middle of my body. And then um, through touch, I would guide them like to, to notice all of what they described more and maybe also the parts that they wouldn't mention first. But once I'm, I'm saying this because I'm perceiving like, look, do you have any sensation for your legs? And then I can also they can, through my question, pay attention to this. And then once this is a clear set for them, we can work together and the touch helps them actually to let go of the effort that they are doing there. You can describe it also like as helping them to melt a defense in their body. 
And then you meet the unknown. Then you meet what comes up. And it can be different kind of emotional experiences. And you help actually the clients through the touch to stay in the present moment, feel that energy can move through their body and they can stay present. Um, and then the touch can also just be to get to know um, a certain body areas more. Yeah. Some people, they don't have a, a feeling for, ah, I have a rib catch and the rib cage is actually moving when I'm breathing. They have no sensation yeah. for this. Yeah. And then working on the ribs or on the little muscles, if you put your finger there on the, in the space between your ribs, it's quite sensitive. Yeah. And when we, when we have no, I don't know, freedom or range of breathing, often those muscles are very sore just because they don't move. Yeah. Right. And then like through a touch that is not always pleasant. Of course, I'm not torturing my clients. Yeah. Like, but they can learn to, ah, okay, here I can breathe. And then I feel there's a muscle moving and there is actually something very stable, like the bones of the ribs, but there's flexibility there. And, and how does it feel if I make space in this way for my belly? The physicality of an experience. Yeah. And, and it sounds like it really helps increase awareness because I'm trying to relate it to my own experience and how I'm one of those people who lack a bodily awareness. I oftentimes forget that I have a body and that I have bodily signals trying to tell me all sorts of things. So, so it sounds like I would also be assisted in attuning to my body signals. Yeah. I think it's really about learning the language of the body, like learning the language of sensations. And it, it's this, it's this strange um, interconnection between like the body is doing a lot on its own, right? It's constantly, I don't know, digesting, breathing, pulsating. So it's in involuntary. Yeah. And then I have all these um, connection points where it gets voluntary, like I can contract and let go of a muscle. I can breathe or I can hold my breathing or I can breathe bigger or I can breathe differently. So, and it's really to learn this interconnection of like, oh, my body is involuntary doing things that my mind doesn't get sometimes. And that for my mind, sometimes maybe that it's even scary, but I can learn to meet those experiences because I have a range of action or of ways of being with what's happening inside of me. And this is for a lot of people, really, it creates a lot of security and a lot of safety within oneself. Yeah, that makes sense. And how many sessions, if it's even possible to say, do you have an average amount of sessions? Now that I, am, I included as a methods, especially the, the model of accelerated experiential dynamic psychotherapy. I would say that in the last years, I work often in, let's say something between 12 and 16 sessions with a lot of clients. And this is for a lot of people, what it needs to really create a different sense of themselves. And can you explain to me what 
AEDP. Am I saying it right? Is is it AEDP? Yes. Because you you're the first one to um, introduce me to that approach. So what are the components of this approach? Um, in 2015, for diverse reasons, I decided not to go along anymore with um, learning from the Greenberg method because there are also elements in the method that I um, wouldn't want to work with anymore or that I don't find fruitful for um, a, a healing process. And then I tried out a lot of things because I was um, looking for a different home basically where to learn and where to develop more skills and then I came across ADP through a client and it's when I first like I think that I, I attended an on-demand online course like of six hours or something like this and I was really like I had tears running down because I thought oh they are doing what I'm doing just without touch like they can touch with words in this kind of deep way. Wow. And so it's a method that um, focuses, so it's experiential. It focuses on the, on the experience. So it works a lot with moment-to-moment -moment tracking in a session. Yeah, it's always about the experience of the clients in the moment. And it, it's very attachment-focused. So we make very explicit what is happening between the client and the therapist. Like, and um, we also do this in meta processing. Like, not only like how do you feel with me, but also like then going like, okay, and if you when you feel received by me in this way, like, what's it like? And to deepen actually this this kind of attachment so that the client can take in a different working model. And um, it's um, giving also a big emphasis on working with the positive, like really looking for the glimmers of healing from the get-go, from the first session on, from the first moments, and to see, like, to emphasis on what I, ex in my experience, like I can see as, a strength or a drive to healing in the clients. And then it's really about undoing aloneness, about like being with the client, like as a true other in the therapeutic process. And for me, I, I think it's actually a lot of this is sometimes can be implicit in touch and physical touch, like to be with somebody. But what ADP gave me was really to make it explicit. Like and to because um, in a way that yeah we you can say we learn through experience right but we also need the reflection of the experience to integrate it and so I think it gave me this. I like the aspect of the true other. Can you maybe say a bit more about that? Like about what you mean when you say the true other. It means actually that I show up in my therapy room or also in the in my in my role as a therapist, I show up as myself. And I will show this to my client. It's not like I'm yeah. oversharing my issues, of course, 
And it's also not only about self-disclosure, but I will deliberately let my clients see how they impact me when they share something with, with me and yeah, that it, I can feel sadness or I can, um, I feel for them or like I'm angry for them or with them and, or I touched by, I'm touched by their experience. And then I check how this is received, if they can take me in and what it's what it like for them yeah. if they can take it in or if they can't so that they really work on this receptive yeah. effective capacity of receiving yeah. care basically yeah and and it actually reminds me that two kind of master therapists who i had the honor of you know seeing live in action do therapy maybe the only thing they really had in common was that they were both moved to tears actually by what their clients said like they were some of the most human therapists that i had ever witnessed so i think this is a very strong and significant component to show up as yeah. your full self i guess that's like that's a way of demonstrating very authentically that we are in the same boat as as our clients, like in the boat of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we are. And I think this is the, the um, how can I say, it? like the stretch of the relationship, like that you're, of course, they come to me because I, like, in the sense, I'm a wiser figure, yes? Like, and I'm just as them, like we are on eye level. And then the, the relationships needs to keep the balance of this. Or, or both aspects need to be present. Yeah. C can you maybe talk about how you bring the work of building emotional awareness into your therapy practice? I would say that Mostly the people that come to me, they come either because they feel too little or they feel too much. So. They're either overwhelmed by um, emotional experiences or they're feeling numb or feeling like a kind of a blockage. Yes. And then in both ways, they, both of these kinds of dealing with emotions can create a lot of symptoms. And so most of my clients, they can describe this experiences right like there's there's something too much or something too little and then um we go from there we like for somebody where there it's a lot of information kind of flooding them like um then we need to bring something down yeah they need to learn like how they can make enough space for the experience that they're having so it's really um in the beginning, learning a language to describe like what is happening in the body. Like, and sometimes I, I tell them like, make it easy. Go with the simple adjectives. Like it's heavy, it's light, small, it's tight, it's loose, it's soft, stiff. Like, and, um, the more they can describe this or learn to describe it, then often this description already takes down something of the overwhelming part yeah. 
because like then I, I don't need to deal with everything at once, but I can first um, deal with an effort that I feel in a certain muscle yeah. or that I feel in my belly. And then I can first like see, okay, can I let go some or how can I let go some of this effort? And then something changes in the experience. And then on the other way, for people who are very, who, who notice like I'm not as alive I'm, as I could be actually, there's also a deep pain in this for the person. Yeah. Like, um, and then for them, it's actually um, to learn when they, when the body softens a bit, like energy starts flowing. And this is, can be a very, very scary experience. Yeah, it's just like, can be a tingling or like a, a loosening. Like when you have a body that is used to a lot of tension and you let go, then it's all wobbly. And then the person needs to know like, okay, how can I be functioning when I'm all wobbly? Yeah. I often give them the image of a basketball player who does this rotation around himself when he cannot uh, oh. walk any like he cannot move anymore with dribbling yeah but he has this flexibility to go in all directions because his body is flexible yeah but it needs to be learned again it feels strange yeah yeah and um and my job is to to be there for my clients to learn to befriend this kind of experience again and then um and then this creates the space to regulate the emotion because it, right. it's happening in the body and then they have a space for it, right? Yeah. And of course it can come with thought. Yeah? yeah. And with the way how you talk to yourself and all of this. But like it's really to get to know the ah, an emotion is an energy that goes through my body. And do you offer specific tools to facilitate that language learning and that flexibility? Of course, breathing is a big, tool to gain a flexibility in breathing and to know how I can meet discomfort with breathing. So it can be a very practical exercise, like for example, choosing a, I don't know, painful point in the body and teaching them to breathe to this point. And then they can feel like how the muscles become soft and they can learn through this, like, ah, okay, I can actually, when there's a discomfort and I breathe to it, the experience will change. Of course, also this doesn't always work, yeah. But it works a lot. It, it creates a big relief for a lot of people to learn this. And then um, I work with uh, movement and music, um, because music can be mm -hmm. it puts us as a whole being in an experience, or it has this ability, right? Like I listen to a yeah. song and I'm. I don't know, in a very sad experience or in a very tender experience or in a very like energetic experience. So, um, especially when clients like have difficulty with one emotion, I don't know, like with anger, um, and they want to cultivate it a bit or with sadness. And then I often ask them to do a playlist for themselves, like that with songs that for them cultivate this emotion, um, we also will try out in sessions like to notice impulses of um, emotions in the body and like where movement wants to go. And 
for some clients, this is really a relief to see like, ah, okay, when actually I have so much anger in me, I can go, I can go bigger. I can move my body in a way that I can feel my muscles and that I'm strong. And then the, the emotional wave can go through the body and it will change. They get integrated. There's just so much in what you're saying that makes me want to, I mean, I know I can't have you as my therapist, but find someone who also could do the body work with me and, you know, someone I could see in person because a, a, a lot of the tools that you're describing, I, I just can see how, how I'm already intuitively, when, when I'm in a good place, applying some of these strategies to my own, you know, d difficulties, but Like, for instance, I've had a lot of driving anxiety because I got my license very late in life and it took me so long to get my license and cost me a lot of money and the stakes were high. And then when I got it, you know, the anxiety just continued and the work I had to do with myself was so bodily. It was very body oriented. And I also, I, I realized how important it was for me to listen to music as I was driving and I actually I had a huge fight with my partner about this because all of a sudden I was on the highway and it started really raining you know strong rain and it felt so scary and I could feel my I could really feel just my my pulse my breathing quickening and, and my hands they were so sweaty and I was like I need you to put on music He was like, no, what are you talking about? You know, I'm reading for the kids or, <laughs> yeah, that's distracting. Of course, you know, of course you don't need music. I was like, I need music. It's the only thing right. that will help me regulate myself. And yeah, from that moment on, I realized just, just how important attunement to my body and the different tools that can facilitate that attunement one being music just how significant that is yeah it's very it's a really beautiful example because it, it shows all this um i think a lot what like this awareness or gaining this awareness does is like this this um option for space you know like for space for yourself and the experience that you are having and then you can decide like okay i can focus on my physical experience i can focus on my emotions or i can focus on my soul yeah and 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 just to have this space it creates what you need actually to take care because if you're in it like you cannot take care yeah yeah that's so true maybe that's an Okay, segue to talk about how you see the relationship between boundaries and emotional regulation or emotional awareness. Mm -hmm. For me, emotions are really the the information tool about like what is good for me and what is not good for me. Like yeah. on a very different level than my mind does. And it doesn't mean that I'm always following the emotion. I want my mind on board, okay? Because uh, yeah. it has also certain qualities that I need in decision-making. 
you need to, to be able to feel what makes you angry, what you are disgusted by, or even like what makes you sad, what gives you joy to, to notice, ah, okay, this is my experience and this is what I want to protect. Because boundaries are about protection, yeah? And like, then I can protect, like, I don't know, I don't want you to, I don't know, yell at me much in a fight. Or um, I can protect from, like, I don't want to you to put me down when I'm actually enjoying, like, I don't know, dancing like crazy and looking like an idiot, yeah? Just to, or, um, or, I'm sad that you, I don't know, having an affair with somebody else and this pain actually uh, protects like what is important for me. And yeah. only when I can feel this, then um, I, I have also the energy like to express it and also to um, protest. Yeah. And to stand up for myself in this way. And, and of course it's not nice sensations. Yeah, it's it's not nice experiences. It's um, painful to be belittled. Like um, it's not um, uh, not an easy way. And also, I think what for me is um, important. I need to know if I set a boundary from this deep place. Yeah, from this deep place within me where I'm connected to myself and to my core, or if I set a boundary from a more defensive, anxious place. Because when I set a boundary from there, from the defensive, anxious place, in my experience, like it's a very helpless place where all the attention goes on like changing the other's behavior. Like I, I'm focused on the outcome. I want to control the other person. If only he would be different. Yeah. And, but when I'm from the deep place, like really connected to myself and say, hey, I, I don't want this to happen again and I will take care of it, that this will not happen again. The other is free to do what they want and I will take care of myself, like what, whatever that means. Yeah. And so in this way, I think it's very um, important to be connected to our emotions when we want to set boundaries and also because it, it simply prevents us to become too hard, for example. Yeah, it's because being connected to yourself, it, it's always in a, I don't know, a flexible place. And then I can be flexible with myself. I can be more flexible with somebody else. I don't mean especially flexible with a boundary, but to have a humanity, not to lose my humanity and becoming hard and rigid and defensive. I love that. Thank you so much for teaching me so many new things about the body and emotional awareness and regulation and boundaries as well. It was really insightful and inspiring as well. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember that if you want to check out more of Anne Pascal Stein's work, you can visit her profile on complicated.life and read her blog posts on blog.complicated.life. I'll link to this material in the episode notes, and I'll be back in two weeks with an episode about guided imagery and music with Sadie Smith. Until then, stay complicated. <laughs>